When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tiva, and we are going to have the best time together. It is the last Tuesday of the month, which means it's Q&A, which means we're answering your questions and they are so good this month. So let's get into it. Also, um, unrelated, but we're on our first tangent. I think we're breaking records, not to brag, but every week I think we're breaking a new record as far as how quickly I can get into tangents. But it's a leap year this year, isn't it? Do you guys have things with leap years? Like, is it like lucky? Is leap year lucky? Also, do you remember if you watched 30 Rock? Do you remember the leap year episode of 30 Rock? Now, if you didn't watch 30 Rock or if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm just going to briefly tell you about it because this episode is basically how I feel every single day of my life. So basically, Liz Lemon wakes up one day and is like going to work and everyone's like, celebrating leap day like there's people in costumes there's this like like mascotty like think like Santa Claus but for leap year type of person like dressed in costume running around and everyone is like oh my god happy leap day blah blah and she's like what the fuck is going on guys and they're all like yeah no it's leap day and she's like I've been on this planet for 30 plus years and no one has ever celebrated Leap Day before. What the fuck are you talking about? And everyone's acting like it's this thing that happens every year, like she should know about. And she's like, when did this start? Because I don't remember this starting. That is exactly how I feel every single day. Now, I feel less that way nowadays than I used to. But the way literally every single day of my life, I'd be like, I'm sorry, this is just a thing that everyone knows about and no one told me. Like, where did you guys learn this thing? Like, did I miss a year of school? Like, what the fuck is happening? So, um, okay, let's just get into it now. Because I could go on on that tangent for another four years and then we wouldn't get to the questions and they're so good. They're so good. Okay. Um, okay. Question number one. I have a friend. That's the end. <laughs> end of thought. End of sentence. No. Um, I have a friend. We can call her Sarah who is always late. It drives me crazy. I find her to be so irresponsible and inconsiderate. 
I've never thought much of this until I listened to the January Am I the Asshole episode where you talked about repressed parts and radical self-awareness. I was listening to that episode literally while getting ready to meet Sarah for lunch, and of course, she was running late. If not for the fact that I was listening to the episode while this was happening, I don't think I would have even made the connection. But the fact that I was listening to you speak while I was fuming about Sarah was like a massive hey pet hey, pay attention to this moment. And it blew my mind. Here's my question. When I think about myself being irresponsible and inconsiderate, it doesn't trigger me. Moreover, other people who are irresponsible and inconsiderate don't trigger me like Sarah does. What am I missing? Okay, I love this question. Um, I also love that you were able to have this moment. And you're so right. Like sometimes we'll listen to something. We'll nod along. We'll be like, oh my God, yes, 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 bitch, yes, go off, queen, yes. And then like the same exact scenario is playing out in our lives and we're like, and, you know, like we do not make that connection. It's honestly kind of fucking wild when you think about it. So I'm so happy that this all coincided for you so that you were able to make this connection. And now we have something to work with. And I have to say, it's funny, a lot of the things that wellness culture says are the worst things, I actually think are the best things. And I think one of the best things that can happen to you is feeling triggered, is feeling annoyed, is feeling irritated, especially when you can point to a specific scenario or a specific person or even better yet, a specific trait within that person that is causing you to feel that way because you have a perfect roadmap as to where you need deeper work. I mean, it's it's literally like someone handing you a... Um, what are they called? Like a treasure map? Why does that feel so weird? You know what I'm talking about though? Like a, like a, like a, yeah, treasure map. There's no way they're called treasure map. <laughs> but no, you know what I mean though? Like a map that points to where the treasure is. It's like someone telling you exactly where you need to go looking. What better, what a better gift. Like, name anything that could be better than that. I mean, just not being triggered in general and having to do zero work on yourself, but that's clearly not an option. So let's move on to plan B. This is the best case scenario. It's amazing. Okay. Now, I think it's possible. I'm so sorry, by the way, for everyone on video. My noise, my nose. Oh my God, my nose, not my noise. My nose is running incessantly. And, you know, usually I'd be kind of like a vile, gross kind of girly, like I usually am, and wipe it with my sleeves. But this is a very expensive sweater and it was a gift. And I don't want to disrespect the gift or the sweater. So <laughs> my nose is just going to run. It's just, we're just going to start like a whole waterfall from my nose region. It's literally like if the temperature is below 70 degrees, my nose is running. Okay. Um, it might not be that your repressed part is inconsiderate and irresponsible just based on the fact that you seem very unbothered by those words and they're also not bothering you and other people. But my guess is that Sarah still 
embodies something that you can't see in yourself. And one exercise that you can try to get to the root of this is um, take out a piece of paper, preferably in your journal, but what the fuck do I care? It can be any paper that you want, quite frankly. And at the very top of the sheet, write Sarah's name, write her real name, obviously, and then draw a line down the center of the sheet. And by the way, anyone listening, do this exercise with anyone who makes you feel any kind of way. Even if it's like an ex or a former friend, someone who's just still on your mind and you can't seem to get them out of your mind, try doing this exercise. Okay, so put a line down the center of the sheet and then on the left side of the line, start writing down all of the traits that you like about Sarah. And then on the right side of the line, start writing down all of the traits that you don't like about Sarah. Okay. Now when you're done doing this, maybe pause this and do it first and then come back because this is where it gets spicy. This is where it gets interesting. For every single trait that you wrote that you like about this person, put in front of it the following words. It's easy to love myself when I'm blank. So like, let's say you wrote pretty, fun, funny, um, compassionate, um, a, a good time to be around. It's easy to love myself when I'm compassionate. It's easy to love myself when I'm fun. It's easy to love myself when I'm a good time to be around, right? And then on the right side of the page, you have all of the traits that you don't like. In front of all of those, you want to write the words, it's hard to love myself when I'm blank. So it's hard to love myself when I'm inconsiderate. It's hard to love myself when I'm irresponsible. Go down and for all of the ones, both sides of the page, read them out loud in full sentence format and see which one starts to give you either like a bit of like a kind of feeling, like a little like a punch in the gut kind of feeling, or which one has you being like, wait, no, I'm not that. And it could be a positive thing. We focus a lot about repressed parts in a negative sense. So, you know, you see something and someone, it triggers you and it points to something that you've repressed in yourself because you were told that you wouldn't be loved if you exhibit that trait. And those tend to be traits that we think of as negative, right? Makes perfect sense. But we so often repress parts of ourselves that are considered to be positive. And there are a lot of reasons why we might do that. We're not going to get into those reasons today, Um, but I'm really happy to go deeper into the subject if people are interested. But it's really important to remember that we can repress these positive things in ourselves also. And sometimes that leads to us really admiring and adoring and kind of obsessing over people who exhibit these traits. But sometimes we're also triggered by them. So it's entirely possible that Sarah's embodying positive things about yourself that you can't see or it could be negative but doing it this way you'll get a full picture and you'll see which one hits and which one doesn't hit on top of that one thing I would consider is does Sarah remind you of anyone else Um, maybe a former friend, a family member it could be someone you're not in touch with anymore just anyone either currently in your life or more likely would be my guess, someone from your past. 
And if so, and it doesn't have to be like on a surface level, it's often very like, like there are people where I'm like, this person is this person, but I can't put my finger on why, because they don't really look alike, like nothing on the surface is the same. But when I dig deeper, it's a very specific energetic thing that is similar in my relationship with these two people. So it could be something very niche, but just ask yourself, does Sarah remind you of anyone? Does your relationship with Sarah remind you of any relationships that you've had historically? That might be another clue. And then if you get a hit, what are the similarities? What's the overlap there? That'll help you narrow it down better also. Would love an update on this. Please send one in. Also, someone did send in an update this week, and I think it might be the first time it's happened and like the way that I nearly peed myself from excitement over it. So that's something you can look forward to. I think it's the last one that we're going to get into. I could be wrong though. Okay, next question. First, I heard your episode on Expanded and followed you immediately. I've thoroughly enjoyed your content since then, so thank you. Smiley face. You're so welcome. I could have left this part out of the question, but she's vain and sometimes she needs an ego boost. You know what? I've had a hard week, (laughs) and so I do really appreciate that. Second, I've been looking at my patterned experiences to see what loops are blocking me from the life I want to live, aligned partnership being part of that life. A very prominent, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I'm reading so weird today. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like I have this weird twang. A very prominent pattern I've noticed is that I attract unavailable men. A couple of examples. A couple of months ago, I shared a chairlift with a guy working at a ski hill. Banter was good, and he'd follow me down whatever run I chose or would wait for me at the bottom of each hill to catch the lift together again. This went on for hours, and after comments from his friends, I really thought this guy was going to ask for my number, but then the hill closed, and he had to stay to finish his shift, and we left without exchanging any information." Then my Instagram story was reposted to the Ski Hills Instagram page, so I saw his profile when looking at my story viewers. I clicked on the account, and he's been on he's been in a relationship for four years. Then this week, I learned that the guy I've been having spicy chats with for the last couple of months also has a girlfriend. This one is a more complicated story. Um, for context, I've spent my entire I spent my entire adolescence obsessed with a guy I liked since the third grade. He dated other girls our whole lives growing up, keeping me as a side piece until we finally dated in university, and it was a disaster that almost killed me. Not to be dramatic, but it was a pretty dark chapter. I've spent the last few years doing the TBM work and understanding why I am the way I am and why I think the way I think, and I've done a lot of unblocking. But yet I'm still stuck in this energetic of unavailable men and I need help finding my blind spot. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Love you. Um, I love you. (laughs) No. Okay. This is amazing. And you do have a lot of awareness around this. Like you obviously were able to very instantly connect the adolescence guy 
with this patterning that you're experiencing, which is amazing. And based on your question, I'm going to assume that you've done a lot of unblocking and reprocessing around the situation with that guy from the adolescent slash university chapter. Nevertheless, the problem persists. My guess is that this has far deeper roots than the the guy from adolescence. So the guy from adolescence, I would imagine, happened because of a way earlier trauma. And you've just been repeating the cycle of that trauma over and over and over again, hoping to have a corrective experience each time. And it obviously doesn't happen and it just keeps regurgitating into the same cycle. So I would be very, very curious to know what happened when you were a much younger child, much younger? Think like way before you were having your own romantic relationships. What were your childhood caretakers relationships like? What did you witness as a child? Did you witness any sort of dynamic where one, let's say one parent was kind of all in in a situation and the other parent was not emotionally available to that parent. Now, it could be as on the nose as some kind of infidelity. Um, My guess is if there was something that's quite so on the nose as infidelity, you probably would already be aware of it and would have mentioned it. Maybe not. I mean, sometimes sometimes we miss the most obvious blocks. Like it's kind of mind blowing to me how many conversations I've had, myself included, where uh, like we'll be like, yeah, blah, blah. I don't know what it refers to. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, ding, 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 the super, super obvious thing. You think maybe it refers to that? <laughs> so I mean, maybe that is the case and it you just didn't connect it until right this second. But it could be a lot more nuanced than that. For example, did you have a situation where, let's say, hypothetically, um, your mom was like all in with your her relationship with your dad, let's say, um, but your dad was working a lot, like working really, really long hours. And it appeared as though he was constantly choosing his job over his relationship with his mom, with your mom, something to that effect. Like, did something like that happen in childhood that you can point to that would have implanted this idea that men will be unavailable or like men tend to be unavailable. It could even be something that your mom would say a lot. It's kind of crazy how much trauma I've seen both in myself and in my friends and in Blush Academy members stemming solely from shit their mom would say to them as a kid and myself very much included in this. Just like my mom making little offhand comments about how men are and how men aren't has implanted so much in me that I've had to do so much unblocking around. It's so fucking common. I see it with so many of my friends who have just like had their mom say like, oh, well, men are this and men are that. And it's just created these massive blocks. Um, So it could be something like that. Um, And then the other thing I'd be really curious about is how are you meeting your own needs? Are you available to yourself? And I say this because 
pretty much without fail. Um, I encounter these situations all the time. This is something that's very, very common in Blush Academy members where they'll have some kind of very clear pattern of attracting unavailable people. And the way they're unavailable is often different, but this is a very common thing that I see. And I will see a very common thread that I see is all of those people are also not meeting their own needs. So it's, it makes perfect sense. If you're not meeting your own needs, you're also going to attract people who will not meet your needs. So I'd be very curious to know in what area of your life are you neglecting your own needs? And I would go through every area of your life, like career, money, family, friends, romantic relationships, um, creative pursuits, physical health, emotional health, spirituality. Just go through these different quadrants of your life, although quadrant is very clearly the wrong word because quad means four and this is a lot more. But, you know, pie slices of your life, like think of your life as a wheel and these are all different slices of life. And I would give a numeric value like one to ten of how much you're showing up for yourself in that area of your life. And listen, this is all very qualitative. It's very hard to put a number on these things, but I mean, just try to think about it objectively, right? Like, do you feel really passionate and lit up and great by your career? Or is it an area that you don't love to think about or you, or you do think about and stress about all the time? You know, um, do you feel strong about your finances? Like how, comfortable are you with looking at your, at your bank account? It's not even like how much money are you making? How like I do decently well. I, um, you know, don't live in debt. I, um, invest very, very well. Um, you know, all of my finances are automated. Uh, you know, my credit cards are automatically paid off at the end of the month. Nevertheless, earlier today, I was thinking, I don't want to look at my bank account. Like I like I feel fear when I think about looking at my bank account. And that's kind of fucking wild cuz there's nothing really to be afraid of. Like all the ends are being met. You know what I mean? Like there there's no like debt, there's no outstanding nothing. Nevertheless, I still have that fear, which means that I'm not feeling strong about my finances right at this moment. Like if I were to give it a number, it might be a five right now, you know? So that's always a good sign. Like if you're avoiding something, if you're afraid of something, that's a good sign that you're not meeting needs in one area. So just go through all of the areas of your life and see which area dips the lowest and where you can pay a little bit more attention and give yourself a little bit more attention. Now, the other thing, and I have a feeling this one, regardless of what your answer was to everything else, I have a feeling there's going to be a big ding, ding, ding on this one. Are you subconsciously afraid of actually being in a relationship? And I know that you said you wanted to be in a relationship. You said aligned partnership is a part of the life that you want to live. Just because we really want something doesn't mean that we're not afraid of it. There are a lot of like big career goals that I have right now that I don't even realize that I'm afraid of. Like I remember one of the first times that I realized I was afraid of it. I um, 
had taken like a gummy before bed and I was high and there's just something about THC that will bring up all of your worst fears and just throw them right in your fucking face. And I remember having this very distinct moment of like, not like, oh my God, what if it doesn't work out? It was, oh my God, what if it does work out? Like how scary would that be? And so a lot of times, like the things that we actually really genuinely from a soul level want, we also are really fucking afraid of. And so we're subconsciously pushing them away without even realizing it. So it would make perfect sense that you would be attracted to people who are unavailable because subconsciously you're not ready for this thing to work out. And I don't know why that is. I went through a phase like this. Um, it was actually a pretty long phase. Actually, it was like really my entire 20s where I was single and celibate and almost at no points during that whole decade was I even attracted to any guys But the only guys that I ever was attracted to were unavailable. Like, I think I told the story of this guy in law school who had a girlfriend of like four or five years. That's one of two people that I was ever even attracted to. And it's because my last relationship I was in before all of this was really fucking bad, like really chaotic, really messy. And um, I was really codependent, not so much in an anxious attachment way, but more so in a sacrificing my own needs in order to take care of him. He had like a drug problem. I mean, it was really, really bad. And after that, I subconsciously was so closed off to love and romance because I was like, well, look at what fucking happened last time. So it makes sense that the only men that I was ever attracted to were ones that were unavailable because my brain was like, no, we are not doing this shit again. So I'd be very, very curious to know if there's something that happened that made you feel this way. And it could not be something that happened to you directly. Again, it could just be that the relationships that you witnessed in early childhood were not the types of relationships that you want and what you would consider to be aligned partnership. I think that's a very interesting choice of words. It's really beautiful. It's really stunning, but it's very clearly communicating Like you didn't just say you want a relationship. You didn't say you want love. You didn't say you want a boyfriend, a husband, um, a partner. You didn't even just say partnership. You said aligned partnership. That's a very specific choice of words that I don't see that often, even though it's not like there's nothing crazy or weird about it, just to be clear. And it's very beautiful and it's very stunning. But I think it's very purposefully exclusionary. You're excluding other types of partnership. And I'd be very curious to know what your idea of aligned partnership is and if you've ever witnessed it, not experienced it, because I'm guessing you haven't experienced it and that's fine. But have you ever witnessed it in real life, not in a movie, but in real life? Um, Did any of the relationships that you were around in early childhood look like this type of aligned partnership. If I were a betting man, which I am not, um, my guess would be probably not. And that could be a massive thing that's blocking you. And if on top of that, all the relationships that you witnessed really were not the types of relationships that you would want, again, they don't even have to have been bad, but if they just were very, very different from your idea of what 
an enjoyable and aligned partnership would be, then it would make perfect sense for your brain to subconsciously be pushing it away because it's like, well, I don't want to end up like all that shit. So what I would do a, I would answer all these questions and, you know, do reprogramming on anything that comes up. But the other thing that I would do is I would do inner child work. Like I would do, you said you're in TBM. So I would do the inner child workshop like through and through from beginning to end and pick as your magnetic parents people who had the type of relationship that you want. So that aligned partnership really get very clear on what that is, like what the characteristics of that aligned partnership are, and then do a round of inner child where you visualize magnetic parents who had that type of partnership so that you can really implant that into your subconscious as that's something that's possible and existing. And the other thing I'll say is if nothing is coming up for you as an earlier route, earlier than that guy, then it's possible that there's something there, but your nervous system isn't quite strong enough to be able to face that memory. It's just a possibility. It's not necessarily the case. So I would definitely, along with the inner child work, do some nervous system work also. Good luck. I would really, 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 really like an update on this. Please, please, please give me an update on this situation. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, next question. I have PCOS and excessive slash stress eating issues. I saw a video of yours about excess eating, but could you please go into more detail of what sort of balanced diet we can eat? What carbs, fibers, proteins to consume? I would really appreciate that as I'm unable to lose weight. My skin is bad and I feel unhealthy and I'm overall not happy with how I look or how I feel. First of all, I'm so sorry. Um, I have had a lot of hormonal issues. I don't actually know if I ever had PCOS or not because as I'm sure you know, it's a very hard diagnosis to get. And I actually did have cysts, which is funny because a lot of people who are diagnosed with PCOS um, don't have the actual cysts. And um, the rest, like the way that you're diagnosed with PCOS basically is there's all of these various blood tests and you have to have like three out of five or something. And so I had three that were like right at the border. So it was kind of like, a, she's like, I could diagnose you with PCOS and I could not, like it's just unclear, but it doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day. But um, I experienced a lot of the symptoms and I know how fucking hard that could be. So it sounds like the root of a lot of your issues probably are the insulin resistance that comes with the PCOS that can cause a lot of the um, excessive eating. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to call it quite binge eating because binge eating is like it also refers to a specific eating disorder that might not overlap here, but you know, a lot of that like excess eating. Um, and it makes sense. It just has to do with like the way sugar is metabolized. But one thing that we don't talk enough about is the role that fiber plays. So when we eat fiber, it feeds the beneficial bacteria in our gut which then produce short-chain fatty acids. The short-chain fatty acids go into our pancreas and they release GLP-1. 
and GLP-1 then releases insulin. Now, if GLP-1 sounds familiar to you, it's because GLP-1 agonists are the class of drugs that Ozempic falls into. Ozempic, the very popular and well-talked about um, weight loss drug right now. It's a type 2 diabetes drug, but weight loss drug. So, And it, it really works on insulin resistance. So really the natural way to achieve this effect is to eat more fiber. It is hands down the most important thing. So I made a little list of things that you should be eating um, and some things that you should be avoiding. Now within these, reach for the ones that are appealing to you. Within carbs, I would be really focusing on beans, lentils, um, beans like black beans, pinto beans, navy beans, cannellini beans, um, great northern beans, butter beans, chickpeas, uh, brown lentils, beluga lentils, all the lentils are kind of fine. Um, split peas are fine. Green peas are even fine. Um, sweet potatoes, beets, and buckwheat. That's kind of where I'd focus within the kind of like carb dominant area. Um, I think you're going to get the most nutritional effect from those foods. As far as proteins, if you eat animal proteins, always make sure to eat pair your animal proteins with green vegetables. Um, so like lots of kale, broccoli, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, shit like that. They don't even really have to be green. I mean, like, uh, um, cauliflower is great, you know, but just uh, pairing it with a lot of fiber because animal proteins have no fiber and you then don't get all the benefits of the fiber, but then replace some of your animal protein, not all of it, but some of it with beans and lentils because they do provide a good amount of protein, not quite as cleanly as animal proteins do. And beans and lentils really are starches that tend to be high in protein rather than pure protein sources. But replacing just a tiny bit of your animal protein with the beans and the lentils will still keep your protein intake quite high while also giving you intense doses of that fiber. Other things that I would eat a lot of if I were you, all the berries, pears, pomegranate seeds, pineapple, kiwi, papaya, cantaloupe, honeydew, citrus fruits, um, hemp seeds, chia seeds, and flax seeds. I'm partial to golden flax seeds, but that's just a taste thing. It's the different colors of flax seeds. You're still going to get the same nutrients. Um, this one is important. I would, to the extent that you possibly can, avoid cane sugar, coconut sugar, maple syrup, anything else that has the word sugar or syrup in it, even if it's following a type of fruit. So I don't care if it's coconut sugar. I don't care if it's date sugar. I don't care if it's coconut syrup. I don't care if it's date syrup. I don't care if it's brown rice syrup, tapioca syrup. All of these things are essentially other words for sugar. Um, I would also avoid fruit juices 
even like the cold pressed, the organic, the freshly pressed, even if it's like a green juice that has green apple juice in it, I would avoid that again. It's still the same type of, it's still going to affect your bloodstream the, the same exact way that cane sugar would. And then herbs and supplements that you can try that can be helpful. Um, number one, spearmint, excellent. Um, you're not really going to see a lot of side effects with that. So just use that at, at your leisure. Berberin can be a really good um, herb for insulin resistance. Inositol, people with PCOS seem to have great experiences with it. And then this last one, I don't know how to pronounce. It's oleolethanolamide. <laughs> I can write it down somewhere. Just DM me. Um, it's also called OEA. So if you just Google OEA and then start writing O-L, I'll just spell it out right here. O-L-E-O-Y-L-E-T-H-A-N-O-L-A-M-I-D-E. It's one of the most promising supplements we're seeing for insulin resistance. So it's just something to consider, but I would really, really focus all of your efforts right now on increasing your fiber intake. You're going to see the quickest, most extreme bang for your buck. Another thing that you could start trying to do is just having um, a little bit of diluted apple cider vinegar. Like think like a tablespoon or two's worth of apple cider vinegar diluted into a bit of water, just like 15 minutes before meals. It'll just help with the blood sugar metabolism. Um, Let me know if you have more questions. Definitely look out for recipes that I have that can support you with all that. I have so many recipes with beans and none of my recipes ever use any form of sugar, including fucking maple syrup and coconut sugar, okay? I know I go off about this so much. It just drives me fucking crazy when wellness influencers try to act like cane sugar is the devil, but coconut sugar is fine. Bitch, it's the same fucking thing. You're either stupid or you're evil. And I I can't decide which one is worse. I honestly can't. Okay, next question. (laughs) I've been dating what is almost the perfect guy for a few months now. Super good looking, funny, is overall pretty good to me. He has a really close friendship with one of his exes who he amicably and mutually broke up with a few years ago now. I knew they were friends, but learned they regularly FaceTime when he borrowed my iPad for something and a reminder to FaceTime her came up. I talked to him about it and the conversation went pretty well. He said he'd stop talking to her so often because he has priorities now. Love that. However, she's still the most recent person he sent a TikTok to, etc. I know this shouldn't factor into anything, but she is model gorgeous and lives out of the country now. We were friends before we dated, and despite having other ex-girlfriends, this is the only one he ever spoke about, and I worry that I'm a placeholder and will never hold the value in his life that she does. I try to rationally deal with these feelings, but I think I'm doing a pretty poor job. Okay, I don't blame you. This sounds like a lot to deal with. I have a few logistical questions. You said that he borrowed your iPad and then a reminder to FaceTime her came up. Did he log into his iCloud on your iPad 
or like how else did the reminder pop up? I'm just curious. Um, the other thing is like you said, she's still the most recent person he sent a TikTok to. How are you seeing all of this information? And the reason that I'm asking this is because I'm trying to gauge how guarded or unguarded he is with his stuff, like with his phone, his email, his social media, etc. Because the way that I'm reading this question, which could be wrong, which is why I'm asking all these questions, it seems like he's pretty open about his shit. Like if you can see who he's sending TikToks to, like, what are you in his social media accounts? Like, is he just like, like handing you his shit? Like what exactly is happening? Because if he's being really unguarded about his stuff, I do think that that's pretty good evidence that he's not hiding anything. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, okay. I have a lot of questions about this. Have you had feelings like this in past relationships? Are you prone to jealousy and overthinking? Um, you know, has this type of thing come up in the past? If yes, that's something to keep in mind that this is your personal patterning. If no, it could be your intuition telling you something, but it also could not. And let me, uh, like, I have an example of a counterexample. So when I was first dating Ozzy, I would be really jealous. And I actually am not like particularly jealousy prone. It's it's this interesting thing about me as much as I really had severe anxious attachment always. And I, um, you know, had all of the symptoms. Jealousy just wasn't one of them. And I can, I, I can tell you the story of why that is, because there is a whole very specific story of something that happened that made it that way, but that's neither here nor there. And so when I first started dating Ozzy, I'd actually worked through so much of my anxious patterning, but yet I was experiencing a lot of jealousy and I'll be very specific. So Ozzy, has, or I should say had, <laughs> a lot of female friends. And I think that over the years that were, there were dynamics. So like he had a lot of female friends who like maybe he'd like hooked up with a little bit, but it hadn't gone anywhere, like that type of situation. He just had a lot of friendships like that. And I, it really like bothered me in the beginning and I'd kind of like overthink and I was like, wow, is this my intuition? Because I'm not usually like this. And I realized that it actually wasn't my intuition. It was just that I liked him a lot more than I ever liked guys in the past. And so the stakes were so much higher to me. And I was like, holy shit, like what, like what if there is something else going on? And I don't know. Now, what really helped me not feel this way, A, obviously the inner work, but the bigger thing was the fact that he was so, like he would like let me go through his texts, his emails, his, like it, like when I voiced this, he was like, go through our chat history, like read, like read, like blah, blah. And there were times where I was like, you're not seeing that this girl is into you because like men are fucking idiots. One time, okay, there was this girl, that Ozzy date. No, he didn't even date her. They were friends. Um, 
she's an artist and she lives in Australia. But they did hook up for a while and it just like never really went anywhere. Like there were never any labels on it, but they were really good friends for many, many years, even well after they hooked up. And this fucking bitch, (laughs) the way that I hate her. So she's an artist. Like we're if we're playing it really fast and loose with the word artist. She really draws like glorified stick figures, but that's neither here nor there. Literally like used him as a muse for like five years after they even stopped hooking up. Like she would make all this art where like she was drawing essentially him. I mean, again, it's hard to tell because these were basically stick figures. But, you know, when you know, you know. And he even admitted, he's like, yeah, I'm her muse for her art. And I was like, yeah, she's fucking in love with you, okay? Like girls don't just do this shit for no reason. Anyway, so the first time I went to Australia... And like right when we got together, he did tell her, by the way. Um, so when we went to Australia for the first time, or it was my first time in Australia, we ran into her on the beach and she was with a friend. And like we're talking, the four of us, whatever. And then she turns to her friend and she goes, this is Ozzy from New York. Obviously, she said his name. She didn't call him Ozzy, but whatever. And then she leans into her friend and starts whispering things in her ear like little school kids. Okay, we're standing, the four of us, having a normal adult civilized conversation. And then she goes, this is Ozzy from New York. You know, the Ozzy from New York. And her friend's like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm just standing there. I was like, is someone trying to get murdered today? (laughs) Like, what the fuck is going on? And then she starts whispering, and I'm like, I heard that a shark ate someone in these waters yesterday. You want to give it a try, bitch, or do you want me to just kill you myself? Because I will. Um, Anyway, and then when we left that situation, Ozzy was like, like, he didn't think anything. Like, he didn't think that was weird at all. I was like, she was literally whispering. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess she was. That's kind of weird, huh? And I was like, oh, that's kind of... Every female that I've turned that told that story to is like, oh, my God, what the fuck? But like, men can be so oblivious. Okay, anyway, um, tangent over. I'm just saying, even if, like, your reaction is different than historical, it might not be your intuition. It might be something else. So do keep that in mind. And I know I'm not being very helpful here, but here's where I can be helpful. Number one, I would really work on your self-esteem and confidence because here's the thing, regardless of what's going on here, is it possible that he's just like secretly in love with this girl? He'd like never got over it. Um, There's something in the back of his mind where, you know, when she's back in the country, they'll get back together. I'm not going to lie to you. That is possible. Like that does happen. I mean, I dated Van Guy for like five months And the entire time in the back of my mind, I think I knew that I was in love with Ozzy and would probably end up with him. You know what I mean? Like these things happen. Okay. Like it happens. But here's the thing. Van Guy's alive. He's fine. He's doing well, I hope, I think. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure he's fucked many girls since then. He's a 
very big penis. Like I'm sure he's doing fine for himself. These things happen and we get hurt and we move on. So what I would do is if you're in the Blush Academy, I would go within the Attachment Styles course. There's a neural rewiring practice called Facing Your Fears. I would start doing that neural rewiring practice on the daily. And basically what it has you do is bring up your worst case scenario when confronted. In your case, it's very obvious. Your worst case scenario is that he's in love with her and he's biding his time until she moves back in the country. Um, that would suck. It would be really painful. But like I said, you wouldn't die. And sometimes just confronting that worst case scenario, your brain is like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that sucks, but it's fine. Like we've survived so much worse. We could deal with that. And then it stops being this obsessive thing, right? So I would start doing that. Um, I would really, really go all in on investing in your self-esteem and in your confidence. Um, if you're in the Blush Academy, I would really go through the decentering romance course. I just think it's a great way to Get all of the areas in your life in check so that you have fewer eggs in in the romance basket in general. Because this situation, the reason that it's heavy is because the stakes feel high. And we need to bring the stakes lower because the stakes actually aren't that high. Like, like I said, the worst case scenario here is you break up because he's in love with someone else. In the grand scheme of things, that's not that bad of a thing to happen. You know what I mean? Like that that's not life or death. It actually is not life or death. So we need to get it to not feel like that. And then the last thing I would do, especially if once you start doing the like facing your fears, like just confronting that worst case scenario and that like the rumination doesn't go away, I would really just very honestly communicate with him. And I'd be curious to know how he reacts. And I, I wrote it down because I would say something almost verbatim like this. Hey, I've been having so much fun. Everything is really great except one thing. I can't seem to shake this fear that you have feelings for Bianca and that I'm just a placeholder because she's out of the country. Um, I just called her Bianca because that just seems like a very model-y kind of name. Um, I know that it's probably just my own insecurities. Okay, quick asterisk here. I think it's really important that you phrase it like this. Say that it's probably or definitely your own insecurities. I wouldn't even offer up because like I don't want him to feel like he's being attacked, especially if you're actually completely off base. I don't think it's fair to say like, well, maybe it's my own insecurities, but maybe it's my intuition. I would in communicating this with him, I would 100% be like, I know it's my own insecurities and I really don't want them to take over and sabotage things. But no matter how much inner work I do, I just can't seem to shake this uncomfortable feeling. What do you think? Do you have any suggestions for how we can get past this and not let it become a problem? 
put it on him. Tell him exactly how you're feeling. You shouldn't be suffering in silence. And the thing is, if if this goes on, you're not going to be suffering in silence. Like it's going to affect him and the whole relationship. So he may as well know about it now and bring him in and put part of the responsibility for finding the solution on him. I mean, I essentially did something similar with Ozzy and he was like, what can I do to reassure you? Do you want to do random phone checks? Like, do you like whatever you want to do, like take my phone. And I remember I took his phone one time and I looked through it and I was like, okay, this girl is like DMing you a lot though. And I think that she really is into you and that you're not seeing it. And he's like, but I'm not into her. Like, what do you want me to just not talk to her? I won't talk to her. Like I won't answer her. I don't care. Like whatever it takes for you to not feel this way. So put it on, like bring him into the solution because that's really how strong relationships are built. Good luck. Would like an update. Okay. We're towards the end. Um, okay. This isn't a question, but I wanted to share a win. There's been this whole mutual flirtation with this married guy I work very closely with every day. We have a really great relationship filled with trust, mutual respect, open communication, witty banter, silliness, and safety. I've been trying to understand where the fuck the attraction is coming from because I'm usually not into otherwise committed people. Anyway, I had a light bulb moment recently. I think it's because we had a conflict. I told him how it made him made me feel, which is hard for me. He apologized and was very vulnerable about his past. I asked that he do something different next time. He said he would. An opportunity came for next time and he did the thing that I asked. I think I was on a high on the fact that that happened, even though that's literally what people do when they care about each other. But it's not what my family did when I was first learning how to deal with conflict. I did a lot of nervous system regulation, journaling, meditations, asking myself why, etc. during the span of this whole event. It still continues to unfold. There's a lot going on within the space and internally, like believing in the ability for this repair slash change to happen in all kinds of relationships, not just romantic, and believing I deserve something more than a relationship with a committed man. And with my period in the mix a few weeks ago, I was wildly hormonal, horny as fuck, and primed for attachment, which led to a weekend of extremely amplified anxiety, the likes of which I hadn't felt since before I started my healing journey. That was terrifying because I knew better and my brain still hadn't, my brain still thought I was in fight or flight, even after everything I've read and learned. I'm presently trying to lean into the abundance of this trait, repair, conflict, change behavior in many other people to help sever the attachment I feel towards this married man. It's not lost on me that perhaps the reason he was able to implement something different is because I was able to clearly communicate what is and isn't okay with me, which has taken so much internal work. I'm proud of myself for getting to this place of understanding and my nervous system is back to feeling regulated and calm. Okay. I'm so proud of you for so many reasons. A, communicating 
this and being able to practice this in this situation, but B, the tremendous amount of self-awareness. Like you can tell this question was written by someone in the Blush Academy because at every turn, there's extreme radical self-awareness. Why am I attracted to this person? What, you know, patterns in my past? What have I done differently this time? Like, um, you know, a lot of your attraction here, I think is also because you are showing up differently. It's not just that this person was able to model this type of repair, which is something that you know that you're looking for in a relationship. And I think the amount that you're attracted to him is really making it very clear how important this is for you and how healing it is and how it's actually giving you a corrective experience from your childhood. But moreover, I think that you are attracted to yourself because you're showing up so differently. And that's really fucking hot. Um, The other thing I want to say is I think that Sometimes it's a lot easier to communicate or to do things when the stakes are lower. So like one thing I would always notice in myself is I was always really good at like making eye contact and being flirty with guys that I wasn't attracted to. But if I thought a guy was hot, I'd like look at the ground or look away. And there could be a bit of a similar thing here. Like you were able to so clearly communicate your boundaries and your needs because like this wasn't ever a romantic interest for you. Um, and that's why you were able to do it because like the stakes were lower. And so I think that this is just a really beautiful illustration of what you are looking for in an aligned partnership to borrow the words of someone else. I also am acting like it's such a, like a niche thing to say. Like, no, people say it all the time. But that's something that's really, really important to you. And you now know that. And you now have seen what can happen as a result of you very clearly and empoweredly communicating your boundaries. It's one thing to say a boundary. It's another to energetically believe in it. And that's what makes people actually honor your boundaries. So I just want to say I'm so fucking proud of you. So fucking proud. I love to hear this. Okay. Very last one. Camera, please don't die. Camera, please don't die. This is an update on a previous submission and I fucking love it. Okay. Maybe I will not read every part of it because it is long and I'm scared we'll get cut off. Let me just check. Oh my God. Okay. No, I think we'll be good. I'll try to read quick, but reading out loud, not really a strong suit of mine. Why did I design this podcast to have half the episodes basically involve me reading out loud? Couldn't tell you. Anyway, hi, I wrote in and you read my question on last week's episode, um, January 30th. Thank you for that, by the way. Since the episode aired, my partner and I had a pretty big fight. By the way, this was the question about um, the partner who, like, this girl's boyfriend is always around at her apartment and she's been on sick leave for work And um, this was the one where I said I will never tell someone that they should break up with someone, but I do hope she gets there on her own. (laughs) Okay, so that's the one for everyone listening. Since the episode aired, my partner and I had a pretty big fight, mostly just about how I don't feel seen slash respected, etc. He made some really nasty comments that he doesn't care about how I feel and it just set me off. 
what a bitch what an overreaction I'm just kidding that should set you off like what an insane and callous thing to say on his part I had been pretty sick recently I also wonder if my poor health is related to the shitty relationship yes it definitely is and had gone to the local urgent care to be seen it turns out I have pneumonia and needed to rest slash take care of my body I had pneumonia like a million times when I was a freshman in college, by the way, (laughs) so I can actually really relate to this. My boyfriend had plans to go out for a work lunch the day I found out I was sick, and so I had told him that I needed to rest and couldn't deal with any BS slash trauma, and if he was planning on drinking, that it would be best if we didn't hang out that night. He ended up coming over after his lunch, and while he did stop at the market and pick me up some stuff, I thought that was sweet, but did not ask for anything slash request him to do so. He also brought over beers and decided he would keep drinking when he got to my house and also vaped, which I find to be gross, very close to my face. Did I mention the pneumonia diagnosis? To me, this didn't sit well, so I just reiterated what I had said earlier in the day that I really needed to rest and didn't want to be around alcohol or him vaping in my house. He made a comment that he, quote unquote, left the bar and could have continued to stay out and drink. I'm sorry, what kind of lunch is this? But okay, whatever. I actually would have preferred that, but he was trying to use this as some sort of dig at me for trying to re-communicate a boundary. This is very common, though. Anything I have an opinion on or have feelings about is something he will mock me over or use against me at some point, which I have always felt conflicted about since he will say I was just joking slash kidding around and that I can't take a joke. Yeah, this is very gaslighty, but whatever. This man is making me question my own reality. Yes, gaslighting. That's what happens. Um, And I know it's time for a change here. Amazing. Kudos. That's the most important moment when you can just acknowledge that out loud. Uh, You're already halfway there. I want to be strong enough to get through this breakup, but I don't have a lot of friends. I mean, I have friends, but not any close friends that I could consider a support network. And I just feel really isolated by all of this. I appreciate your feedback very much. I've looked into codependent behavior, and I think I check most of the boxes here. It was also helpful to look into my upbringing, as it does explain some of the unhealthy patterns. Mom was mostly single. She and dad were pretty young when they had me and my siblings, and their relationship was super unhealthy. My mom is still in a pretty unhealthy relationship, while my dad is remarried into an overall healthy one. I really just feel like this guy is very manipulative with me, and I would say even gaslights or emits parts of things for his own betterment. He also has a pretty large friend group, mostly his friends from high school, so he can just send a text and meet someone out at the bar close by where he lives in the city. I'm further out. He's in Boston. I'm on the South Shore about 30 minutes away and haven't really poured into my own relationships, so I just feel these weird emotions around that aspect of it. Not to mention... We really only hung out at my house, so I feel like my space is now left with memories, etc., while he can go home to his apartment and essentially live free of me slash anything that reminds him of me. I completely, completely understand where you're going with this. I completely get it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to not compare. I wouldn't call it envy or jealousy, but it's hard. We have decided to take space as of today, Sunday, February 4th. But I don't think that will help us. I really want to foster my own self-confidence and build my own foundation. I don't want to feel so lost and sad 
uh, losing a guy that I know isn't right for me, but for some reason, but I do for some reason. I'm really interested in the Blush Academy and open to any advice or thoughts on what to do. Okay, first of all, I just want to say I relate to so much of this, so much. So when I went through my worst, worst, worst breakup with the comedian, I had just moved to New York. I had literally zero friends in New York City. Uh, well, that's not true. I had one friend, but she ended up like really not being there for me at all. Um, whereas the comedian is from New York. He literally grew up in Westchester. All of his friends live in New York City. Like he had such a community here. He was a little bit famous at the time. He had a job that he was like really passionate about. He was working nonstop, traveling nonstop. I was underemployed. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had no friends. I had nothing. When we broke up, like it really felt unfair. Like it felt, especially because he was the one who ended it. Like I remember thinking it's so unfair that he gets to gallivant around the city with all of these people. He gets invited to cool ass events because he's famous. He's, he like, of two weeks after our breakup had to go to Australia for a month for work. I was like, great. Like he gets to escape to the other side of the world. By the way, what a full circle moment. I now date an Australian. Fuck you, piece of shit. Anyway, he gets to escape to the other side of the planet. Whereas I'm stuck here knowing no one. I'm lonely. I'm bored all day long because like I may as well have been unemployed at the time I was so underworked I I'd like you know I was stuck at home all the time I had like my only memories in that apartment were with him because I had just moved to New York like it was so like it was uh the imbalance and the unfairness and then to add on top of that he started dating someone else weeks after we broke up, weeks after we broke up, he met someone else and started dating. I was like, it's just not fair. Like it's, I hate to like, I know I sound like a little kid when I say like, oh, it's unfair, but it's literally unfair. Like there's no other words for it. That being said, I would not change. The only thing I would change, and I actually, I still wouldn't change it. The only thing I would change is like, I wish I had just broken up with him when I was feeling all of these feelings instead of letting it play out and get to the point where it did and then him being the one to end it. But the, And that's not from an ego place. It's just that I think I would have felt better about myself if I had just had the ovaries to like fucking do it. But other than that, even though it was such a painful time, so much magic came out of it. And like literally everything, everything I have in my life now is a direct result of how painful that time was for me. So here's what I would do. Number one, I would start with this exercise that's actually in the Blush Academy breakup course. And if you sign up for the Blush Academy, I would just start doing the breakup course immediately because I think it's really going to give you the foundation to follow through with this. Um, Take out a piece of paper and list every single thing that you don't like about this guy. Every single thing that you don't like about him and that you don't like about your relationship. And I would force yourself to write three pages minimum. So even if you're like, I don't know, I can't think of anything else, just force yourself to keep writing. 
and then make another list of every single thing that you are looking for in a partner and in a relationship. Like what does your ideal relationship look like? And then compare all of the things that you actually do like about your this person in this relationship to all the things that you're looking for. See what percentage of it is a hit. My guess is it's not going to be over like it's definitely not going to be over like 75, 80%, which is what I think you should be hitting in a relationship. So that in and of your, uh, of itself, I think it's going to be a little bit helpful. The next thing I would do, and this might be the most important thing, is start fostering a relationship with your highest self. And I know that this sounds kind of cheesy and kind of woo-woo, but I think this relationship is going to be more healing to you than any other relationship. Now, I do want you to start looking at, you know, like building friendships, things like that, but none of those relationships will do one-tenth of what building a relationship with your highest self looks like. So really like spend some time every single day closing your eyes and just connecting with the highest, the best version of yourself. And like really like take her in, like what does she look like? How does she dress? How does she carry herself? What's her energy like? And really start turning to her, start having conversations with your highest self, start venting to her, start having her comfort you, you know, really start fostering that relationship. On top of that, I want you to start building relationships with people, both online and locally. So, um, Okay. I I was just looking at your submission again. I don't think you're someone who found me from TBM, are you? If you are someone for, who found me from TBM, look at online communities like the TBM, you know, online community. That can be a really great place to start finding people to connect with. Um, if not a TBM person, if you're like, what the fuck is TBM? Don't worry. Are there any other like podcasts you listen to or like interests that you have that have Facebook groups? or other types of online communities for them. Even like Reddit pages, they can be like a very dark place, but some can be really great places to really great, amazing communities. Um, You know, I'm in a Facebook group, although I don't even go to it ever anymore, that's for Bravo fans that are into fish. That's very, very niche. But, you know, like the more niche, the better, honestly, and start talking to people and like really build, like you can just post something, be like, hey, I'm going through a really, really hard time and I'm, you know, like getting ready to go through this really intense breakup that feels insurmountable to me and I would love to make more friends and just find more support. Um you know, look at local meetups and things like that. Maybe even like Bumble BFF could be a good resource. Um, any listeners in the Boston area, DM me and maybe I can put you guys in touch. That could be a fun thing. Um, and then I want you to start taking some kind of in-person class locally. So it can be like yoga, Pilates, a different type of workout. I love solid core, Um, maybe like a ceramics class, some kind of art class, maybe a language class. It doesn't matter. All that I really want it to be is 
in person and that you go very, very consistently. This will get you out of the house. It'll give you a new hobby, a new thing to be passionate and excited about. And it'll also give you a chance to meet new people, which are all going to be really helpful. Now, the next thing I want you to do is um, start doing some mental rehearsal. So really close your eyes, take some breaths, get yourself into like a deep, relaxed state and start visualizing yourself breaking up with this guy. So like really, A, I want you to be in first person. So when you close your eyes, take your deep breaths, get relaxed, then like really orient yourself in your body, like see your hands move. You have to be in your body. You don't want to be watching yourself like you're watching yourself on a screen. You want to be in your body like in VR. And just visualize sitting down, talking to this guy, breaking up with him and sticking with it. And then if you want, you can go on to visualize starting to date again and finding a person who's actually an embodiment of what you want and not like this guy and doesn't have all these traits. Um, There is a mental rehearsal neural rewiring practice within the Blush Academy that can really guide you through doing this mental rehearsal and do this like every fucking day. I'm not even joking. Do it every single day until you actually pull the trigger because each time that you do this visualization, it's going to get you stronger and more likely to actually do it. So just keep doing it until you actually do it in real life. Um, Now, within the Blush Academy, there is the mental rehearsal NRP that you can do. The other things I would do is I would maybe... I, I don't know. I generally speaking will tell everyone to do the nervous system course before you do anything else. In this scenario, it might be helpful to actually start going through the breakup course first or do them in tandem, especially because it sounds like you have a lot of time on your hands. It might feel really good to really, really pour yourself into the deeper work right now. So you could do them in tandem. Within the nervous system course, um, I would spend a lot of time I'm doing the proactive breathwork sessions, especially the mental and physical like strength and resilience or something like that. That's going to be a really, really good one. There's also one that I'm adding soon for emotional release that might be really good for you. Um, I would do all of the neural rewiring practices on um, childhood experiences and reimagining new childhoods. Um, and for that, like when you're doing the reimagining childhood, I would do that where you have parents who have like a really good relationship where there's a lot of equal give and take. Um, And I would do the whole attachment styles course too. And then after that, I would do decentering romance. Um, But I would do everything in that order. So thank you so much for submitting an update. I literally think you're the first person who's ever submitted an update and I always want updates. I want another update. Seriously, next month, I'd like to read another update from you. So I'm wishing you luck. I think that you're there. Like you can do this. You're strong enough. You're there. If not, you would like you that moment you had. I just want to reread it because when I read that, I got chills. You said, I know it's time for a change. You know it's time for a change. You're ready. You can do it. You're there already. Just a few little fine-tuning things. Just do the mental rehearsal. Start building a community and boom, you're going to be done with this loser. And you know what? 
I think a few months, a year, whatever from now, we're going to be hearing from you being in an entirely different relationship that's going to be so much better for you. But first, you just have to be done with this person. And you're going to get there. You're going to get there. You're, you're almost there. You've, you've achieved the hardest part, which is knowing that you need a change. That's the hardest part, being able to admit it to yourself. So I'm really happy. I'm really optimistic. And I can't wait for the next update. Please submit one ASAP. Thank you. Okay. Before we wrap up the episode, every week we do a Foods That Make You Blush segment where I talk about foods that have nutrients that you need that coincide with things that we've talked about this episode. So this episode, I wanted to change it up a little bit. And rather than listing foods that you should eat, I wanted to give you a recipe for a specific dish that supports kind of everything that we're talking about here. It's good for your nervous system. It's good for PCOS. It's good for hormonal issues in general. And It's just really nourishing and soothing and the type of thing that is going to feel leave you feeling lighter and better about yourself. So here's the recipe. Um, You want to take three frozen bananas, a handful each of frozen strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, a tablespoon of vanilla extract, two tablespoons of golden flax seeds, a splash of water, um, one Brazil nut, a half or a whole avocado, and some spinach. And specifically, you want to start with the blender, put the water in the bottom, then put the avocado, and then put everything else on top. And if you have a Vitamix, you're probably going to want to use the tamper to really get this nice and smooth. Pour it into a bowl. It should be really nice and thick. Use as little water as possible. So start with a tiny splash of water, and then if you need to keep adding water so that it can all blend together, that's fine. But just go like that so you get a nice thick. It's going to feel like soft serve in a bowl. Pour it into a bowl. Garnish it with some fresh berries, some chia seeds, some flax seeds, um, some hemp seeds on top. Um, You know, if you have some edible flowers, even like dried rose petals, just something to give it, like make it feel decadent and really treat yourself, like make yourself feel like you're treating yourself to something special. Now, if you want the color to be pretty and pink, leave out the spinach, but you know, the spinach, you won't be able to taste it and it adds a lot of nutrients. But if you want to like make it really Instagrammable, leave out the fucking spinach. It'll be beautiful, bright pink and snap a fucking photo of it and tag me so I can see. But, you know, just really treat yourself because I think a real underlying thing theme in this episode is just really loving ourselves and seeing ourselves as worthy of good things and being treated right. And that starts with treating yourself right. No one's going to treat you right until you treat yourself right. And one of the ways that you can really treat yourself right is not just nourishing yourself, but also presenting it in a beautiful and aesthetically pleasing way because like you deserve it. You deserve it. Okay. 
Before we wrap up the show, we end every episode with gratitude where I list three things that I'm grateful for. And I invite you as you're listening to list three things that you're grateful for. The caveat is that they should be new things and not things that you've listed in the past. And the reason for that is because it's the process of scanning through our day or our week to find things that we're grateful for that actually strengthens the part of our brain that is looking for the good things. So um, I'm grateful that Sam does not have a UTI. And let me backtrack a couple days ago when we were, we were actually coincidentally walking to the vet as a family. We we're doing a little family walk, we call it, when the three of us go out together. Um, and we were going just to pick up some of her meds. And um, we noticed like right when we were about to get there, Sam was like walking really fucking weird. So Ozzy just carried her the rest of the way. And we were like, when we got there, we we're like, can we see a vet immediately? And she did a full exam and it seems like she's having another neurological flare up. So her like walking is off again, um, which, you know, is really fucking heartbreaking. But um, but it's, it's not as bad as last time. Like she's not like fully paralyzed or anything. We're just monitoring her and we have her resting for now. Um, and so I was thinking like, okay, well, I'm grateful that it's not worse. And then today she also got diarrhea. And I was like, okay, well, at least she doesn't have a UTI. At least she she doesn't have a UTI and she doesn't have an ear infection. Those are the other two common things that she's prone to. So she's having a flare-up of every other health issue, but at least not a UTI. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. Um, I am grateful. I'm grateful that I've gotten a lot of rest while Ozzy's been here. He's leaving tomorrow, which is like by the time this episode comes out, he's going to be gone again for work, which is going to be really hard again. But, um, I'm really grateful that while he's been here, he's picked up so much of the slack and I've just gotten to rest and I'm now going to be doing this alone in a more refreshed state. Um, and... I am grateful. Oh my God. I developed a new recipe this week for these brownies that are really high in protein and really high in fiber. And they're so fucking good that I like, I can't even. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to myself for developing that recipe. I'll be sharing it soon. Also, if you're in the Blush Academy, I'm in the process of uploading all of my recipes to the Blush Academy. And there's so many other updates in the Blush Academy. By the way, check out the Nervous System course. I tried to label all of the new parts with a new so that you know it's new. And then in Decentering Romance, there's this whole interactive exercise for finding your purpose. Um, and yeah, there's more new stuff coming all the time. So definitely check it out. Okay, um, we're going to end it here. Love you guys. I'm grateful for you guys every week, but I don't list it because then it wouldn't be a new thing every week. And I'm grateful the camera hasn't died. So let's end it here before it does die. Love you guys. We will talk next week. Bye.